Melissa Abbott here, uh, Vice President of Hartman Retainer Services. Welcome to the Insatiable Appetite, a podcast for people who are in the serious business of food, making it, marketing it, selling it, serving it, and eating it too. We're so fortunate today to have with us Turner Wyatt, the co-founder and CEO of the Upcycled Food Association. It's a nonprofit with the mission of reducing food waste by growing the upcycled food economy. And the Upcycled Food Association, or UFA, was created in 2019 by upcycled food companies themselves who recognized the power of collaboration in growing a successful food category and environmental movement. Hey, Turner, it's great to be connecting with you today. Hey, Melissa, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, maybe we can start out with some overview of the Upcycle Food Association and its mission, membership. I mean, just from my experience looking through some of the stuff and, and following you guys on, on LinkedIn, it's a really fascinating story. Yeah, it's a story of a group of people who came together recognizing that we can accomplish more if we work together, even if we're competitors, even if you know, there's you know, a lot of differences between our businesses. Even if it doesn't look like we're doing the same things, we really are. And we can magnify one another's impact if, if we work together. Um, and so in, in 2019, this small group of businesses came together um, to say, we recognize that the there needs to be more consistent messaging across the industry. Um, and I say industry lightly because there really wasn't any sense of an industry at that time. There were just a bunch of fragmented upcycle businesses who were all talking about upcycling in their own way and who were all had different definitions of what upcycling was. And it was confusing to consumers. And now we know just how important consumer education is. Um, and so it was really sort of hindering the growth of the industry. And so this, what they, what they said they wanted is a got milk campaign. We need someone to say, you know, here's what the definitions are. Here's how we're going to approach consumers. We're going to do an industry scale campaign style, um, growth marketing style uh, effort to systematically grow this industry, to systematically identify what are the things that are standing in this industry's way and then eliminate those barriers. So in the last 18 months is really all it's been. We've grown from an initial group of nine businesses all based in the US to over 170 members across about 20 countries. and. They do various things. Some are CPGs, some are ingredient companies, some are technology or distributors or retailers. But the thing that they have in common is in some way they're dealing with upcycled food. And what is upcycled food? The, the question of the year, upcycled food is the easy way for anyone to prevent food waste with the products they buy. In other words, an upcycled product uses an otherwise wasted food ingredient to make a new high quality product. And so all of these companies have identified some byproduct of manufacturing or agriculture, and they're adding value to it, upcycling it into some new product or ingredient that they're selling to other businesses. 
or they're a retailer or some other food business somewhere else in the supply chain that's just interested in being a part of this movement because they recognize that preventing food waste is important. They want to be a part of the solution. They want to otherwise be involved with preventing food waste. And what this is, is it's the first consumer product-driven solution to food waste, which is really exciting as an environmentalist and as someone who's been working on food waste for a long time, because it, since it's based on consumer demand, it's super scalable and it's really economically sustainable. And that's exactly what we need right now. Yeah, and what's interesting about that too is that the consumer doesn't necessarily even have to change their behavior. They're still able to just, you know, participate by shopping and putting something in their grocery cart um, and be able to feel really good about participating in this movement. And what you were saying too is really fascinating in that it's a premium product. I think that the uh, perhaps older consumers or the old school notion of um, product ingredients or products that use, uh, you know, waste products might not necessarily be, you know, as as satisfactory. Whereas the, the brands that you are associated with, uh, they are really very uh, high quality premium products. Is that part of the uphill challenge that you have uh, with the Upcycled Food Association to try to educate or share with consumers, uh, kind of how I like to think about it is this idea of like just sharing, not necessarily teaching consumers, you know, what, how, how premium or how high quality these products actually are that are usually using these upcycled ingredients. Okay, that's a great question. And I'm gonna reference a few stats we do a lot of research on upcycled food at the Upcycled Food Association. That's one of the pieces of value that we add to this world is this whole notion of upcycled food and the industry and where is it going and everything. It's all pretty mysterious to food businesses. It's kind of like, well, wait, you mean I can make money off of this byproduct that's been going to waste? I've been paying someone else to haul this off site for decades, and now you're telling me that I can I can make money off of this? Why, you know, you know what's going on? Why haven't I done something about this before and it's sort of like suspicious I mm-hmm. think for sort of some of the traditional um, food industry folks and so we do a lot of research to help answer those questions that people have and we've done a lot of um, and our partners have done a lot of great research around the psychology of how consumers interact with upcycled products and what we have found is one of the first studies found that, okay, consumers think of upcycled food as separate from conventional and separate from mm-hmm. organic. So it's a distinct food category that is that consumers see as not organic and not conventional. So it's a third sort of lens. Any product can be upcycled just the way that any product can be organic, right? Sure. So there's, that's step one. Step two is is it more valuable than organic? Is it more valuable than conventional? How much is this worth? What's people's willingness to pay? And what we found is that generally consumers expect that upcycled foods will be less expensive Mm -hmm. than conventional. That's the expectation. But with proper marketing, in particular with rational, non-emotional messaging strategies, For example, saying for every one of these bars or every one of these beverages that you buy, you know, one pound of food waste is produced. That's a rational message because it says 
you know, here's sort of a quantified impact that you're creating by purchasing this, this product. If you use that type of messaging, then it actually increases, significantly increases consumers' willingness to pay such that it's actually higher um, than conventional and in some cases higher than organic. And so we can, we can leverage the fact that these products are having a positive environmental impact and in properly communicating that to consumers, increase willingness to pay. Now, here's the really interesting thing, and I know we're going to talk about the certification later. We just came out with a new product certification, Upcycled Certified, and it's going to completely change the retail environment, the food manufacturing environment, by educating consumers about upcycled products. And one of the first studies that we did on the certification found that consumers expected that a product with the certification logo on pack would be more expensive. Uh, yeah. So what we're seeing is that the logo that we developed for the certification does act as that rational messaging strategy to help increase willingness to pay. Because as you said, a lot of the products that are within our membership are startup CPGs. They're not, you know, there's big companies in, in the Upcycled Food Association like Dole and U.S. Foods and Mondelez and, you know, big, big multinationals that have huge distribution and as hard, they're as big as you can get. But most of our members are these smaller companies. And so they're create, they don't have big distribution and their unit prices are premium. Um, and so we need to be able to, you know, show consumers that it's not just that we're using otherwise wasted food to create, you know, suboptimal products where you're making really great stuff and it's worth your money because you're making a great impact on the environment. Yeah, that really seems to be key in just in our experience here at Hartman uh, across consumers, depending upon their orientation towards sustainability, you know, their their greater awareness would lead them to make that conclusion. But it's that mainstream consumer that might take a little bit more work. And even, you know, with estimates globally that as much as, you know, 40% of food production is wasted, I know that figure is become uh, fairly well known at this point, but it's also just somewhat dismal. And this, you know, notion of food waste is obviously central to the Upcycled Food Association. But what's really interesting is that while we know consumers have had this rising interest in food waste from the, portman, the, vo the viewpoint of their lives at home, and we really saw this accentuated um, during the last year with the pandemic, uh, a lot of consumers were really able to see, you know, up close their the amount of food that they were, you know, throwing away or um, not eating. And many of the ingredients being upcycled within the UFA membership are actually food and beverage industry. You know, I, I don't really see them as waste and byproduct ingredients, but I mean, is if if that's what the consumer is going to see it as, is there another terminology that might be uh, benefit more beneficial than byproduct? Because it just feels like that might lead consumers to think that it's it might be subpar, when in fact these are just you know overripe bananas and other ingredients that are actually really at their nutritional uh, peak. So what what are your thoughts on that? Well, there is a better term, and it's upcycled. Great. Right. And that's what this whole movement is about, is just unifying everyone under one messaging. Like, don't say overripe bananas. Don't say rejuvenated this. Don't say, um, 
you know, re reused or anything else. Like let's all use the word upcycled. And so, you know, I'm, I say byproduct or something like that to you because you're in the food system and, and, you know, those are the, the languages that you know, but when we're talking to consumers and when we're developing the messaging strategy and distributing that out to our members, it is all hands on deck, call it what it is, call it upcycled. And so it's really about simplifying the message to consumers so that it can go further. And let's, let's talk about how consumers think about this. 99% of consumers care about food waste, which is crazy. 99% yeah. of people don't agree on anything. And that's, you know, 99% <laughs> of people don't care about organic. 99% of people don't care about non-GMO or, you know, not to diss those groups. Obviously, that stuff is really important. But it's just, it shows that food waste is unique. Yeah. It doesn't, there's no adversary to the food waste movement. Everyone cares about food waste, whether, you know, you're on the right or left of the political spectrum. I mean, everyone has their own, their own reasons. You know, you mentioned everyone knows the 40% of all food goes to waste. Here's a word, or a stat that not everyone knows. It's a trillion dollars per <laughs> year of food that goes to waste. And so everyone ha everyone in the food industry has a bit of that trillion dollars that they could be they could be getting back. Um, you know, it, that trillion dollars is made up of every food business in the world losing a little bit of money. And consumers care about food waste. Um, and this is all about empowering them to be a part of the solution. Consumers happen to think that the biggest culprits in contributing to 40% of food going to waste our restaurants and grocery stores and manufacturers, but in reality, it's them. Mm -hmm. Most food waste comes from, or the biggest culprit by far is consumers themselves. They buy food at the grocery store or they buy food at a restaurant and they bring it home in a to-go box and then it goes to waste out of their own kitchen. And so it's in, as a part of this consumer education, we have to show consumers that's not depressing, that's empowering because you are the one who 99% of you care about this issue and you're the one who has the most power to make change. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's uh, really impactful. And we're not exactly a nation of composters here in the U S to put it mildly. So, you know, the more we can rethink uh, upcycled food in this way, uh, the better. And there's, quite an incredible range of new ingredients or underutilized products, um, which we find very fascinating here at the Hartman Group. And there are a number of the brands and products introducing entirely new ingredients or, you know, food or beverage propositions to consumers. So these aren't just emerging brands, they're emerging ingredients, in fact, um, like Atomo, I think I'm saying this right, uh, molecular coffee, and even ingredients like whey, which is a, you know, clearly a dairy product that has been long used for um, many, many, many years, it just really seems interesting that there is there is this additional premium element of the upcycled food industry as well. Yeah, about a third of our membership are B2B ingredient companies. And I'm one of the, the gospels that I preach is the wasters of today are the ingredient suppliers of tomorrow. Uh -huh. So if I mean, just by calling it an ingredient, by calling it an upcycled ingredient instead of calling it a byproduct or calling it waste, 
that reframes it and that kind of empowers you as a food business to identify the opportunity you have to create something new and commercialize um, something that you have access to. And so what, as we move towards a more circular economy, what we're creating is an incentive for all food businesses to identify what are all of the ingredients that I'm creating. Like, for example, as a, um, as, an avoc- as, a, as a guacamole manufacturer, right? Like, let's say there's a guacamole manufacturer who has some pre-made guacamole CPG that's getting sold in grocery stores in the U.S. They think they have one product. They think they have, you know, they put in the avocados and the other ingredients on one end. And they think what comes out the other side is their sole product, this packaged, beautiful guacamole CPG. But in reality, they have multiple products. They have the guacamole, but then they also have the avocado seeds. Right, yeah. And then they also have the tomato stems. And then they also have all the other things that don't end up in that beautifully packaged guacamole CPG at the end. And even if those things are not things that we typically think of as having value, we certainly don't get them for free. Right. So they must have value. We put a lot of energy and labor and water into creating that avocado seed. And so let's make sure we get all of that money and energy and, and resources back out as well. And so one, for example, one of our members is this great company led by two women of color out of New York called Reveal, and they have a delicious, it's one of my favorite products out of our whole membership, which I'm not supposed to say, (laughs) but um, delicious um, avocado seed brew. And it's a tea um, made from avocado seeds. Wow. Um, Antioxidants, super nutritious, it's good stuff. And they had to go through the, I think it's the FDA that does the GROSS, generally regarded as safe. Mm -hmm. Um, system to, you know, they, they're where they're avocado seeds were not in the gross system. They weren't generally regarded as safe. So they had to go, they were the pioneers. They had to go through that process to, to show the FDA, look this, you know, we can use this. And of course they did and everything worked fine, but they had to be the ones to show avocado seeds are not just destined, their highest and best use is not the compost. Their highest and best use is to unlock all the nutrients and all the energy that we put into growing that seed and creating a new high-quality product out of it. And once they make that statement, then it kind of shows everyone else in the guacamole industry and in the avocado industry, you should be doing this too. Because that those seeds, it's not just a byproduct, it's an ingredient. And you can upcycle those into something really valuable. And the same goes for I mean, you look at our membership and it's an amazing amount of diversity in the types of ingredients that people are using. Any Atomo coffee, they're using byproducts from agriculture, like the those tomato stems um, that I mentioned as one of the co-products of the guacamole. They're taking, you know, the, the leaves and stems and other um, parts that aren't typically used from agriculture, from farms, and they're creating this delicious coffee-like canned beverage that I've tried and is really good. It's like very, very strong coffee. Like you will drink a can of Atomo coffee and just work for eight hours straight and have the most productive day of your life. It's insane. 
That's amazing. Um, that That's just amazing. And they're based here in Seattle, too. So I'm very fascinated. What could you remind me the name of the avocado seed brew again? Reveal. Reveal. OK, thanks. Yep. Fascinating. Sorry to interrupt. No, all good. I'm in Seattle right now. And tonight we are doing a in-person uh, meetup. It's like the second in-person meetup we've ever done because our company was created during COVID. Is, uh, is it Atomo going to be there? The Atomo, yes. Atomo is oh going to be there. Yeah. And so is, I got to give a shout out to the other Seattle groups because that's where you're based and that's where they're based. So who else is going to be there? Um, Neptune, they make a better for you jerky that's not made out of beef. It's made out of fish. Fish that normally would go to waste because these fishermen are out there, you know, trying to get tuna or whatever. And they bring up a net and in it is like two tunas and like 10 of these other fish that normally just get thrown out. But the fish is super nutritious. It's not that they're, they're not delicious or nutritious or anything like that. It's just that they weren't looking for them. They were looking for tuna. Sure. That's and amazing. So yeah. They make this delicious, really, really tasty fish jerky that tastes exactly like beef jerky, but it's, you know, there's like no saturated fat or anything like that in it. Um, so it's really, really tasty. Who else is going to be there? Nutriberry. They make this mm. raspberry seed powder out of raspberry seeds. I've, I've got some in my fridge right now. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, in their Coffee Cherry Co., this is a really interesting one. Cascara is one of the more popular um, ingredients, upcycled ingredients, that is used in our membership. Cascara is the name for the fruit from the coffee plant. So yeah. we grow it, it a actually ton makes, of coffee. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It actually makes me think of the avocado seed brew from um, Reveal, too. Uh, just just kind of sort of jump in and interject there, but it made me think of a similarity between the avocado seeds and the cascara. But yeah, go ahead. No, it's exactly right. You know, we, we think of, you know, you have this coffee plantation or this avocado plantation and you think of like, what's the product? Well, the product is the coffee seed that you're going to brew into coffee um, or the avocado flesh that you're going to mix into guacamole. But there's this other stuff that's in there that's nutritious. And you're, you know, like I said, you're not getting it for free. You're not just, you can't just grow the avocado flesh on its own. You can't just grow the coffee seed on its own. And so, you know, the people who are working at these, these coffee plantations in Latin America and around the global South, they, they're missing out on a lot of the, the revenue that they could be making because they're selling the seeds, but then the, the fruit from the plant just piles up in big piles that they have to deal with because yeah. they, they, there's no market for it. And so it's also the upcycled industry also presents an opportunity to create more and better conditions, more business, better conditions for agricultural workers around the world who now have an opportunity to make 100% of the, you know, to sell 100% of what they're growing and not just a fraction of it. Fantastic. That's that's just so uplifting to hear about. And as you were mentioning earlier, too, about 
the research that you done, you have done regarding if there was a certification involved that consumers would be more willing to pay. Now, tell us a little bit about the certification that you have, because in the food and beverage industry, it really does help consumers in a variety of ways. And we've seen many certification symbols and certification systems rolled out within food and beverage uh, over the years. And we do see consumers very much relying on these icons as a sort of guideline or shorthand for good products. And this is especially true for consumers at that midpoint of engagement with food culture, like that really good point, midpoint enabled to capture their attention. So tell us a little bit about, about the uh, food, the certification at this point. Yeah, so upcycled certified is a phrase that hopefully you'll hear many more times in the coming decade than in the previous decade. And the logo, which we just revealed on Earth Day recently, is a logo that's going to be printed on billions of packages and seen by millions of people all over the world. And we hope will just change the retail, the manufacturing, and the food environment generally. And we think that it will do that, not because we think that we're, you know, special or anything. Like you said, there's been a, a ton of these certifications. And that's one of the f main criticisms that we get is, what do you, you know, you think you're going to do so much with a certification, you know, isn't that just a logo that sits on a shelf somewhere? And the difference with this certification is really that this is a, this is leveraging people's natural desire to prevent food waste. Mm. And that for every product that ends up certified, there's a measurable, quantifiable impact on food waste prevention that's happening. And so when we're working with our third party certifying body, which is the agency that audits the people who are applying for certification, same agency that does non-GMO or organic certification, they are ensuring that for every product that gets certified, there's a, a little bit of food waste that's getting prevented somewhere. And so we can quantify and that's what's different about this certification is we can say for every product or for every company or an industry as a whole, here's how much food waste is getting prevented as a result of you buying this product. And so what we're working towards is, you know how when you're at like a Kroger grocery store and you put in your phone number or you scan your little card and at the end sure. it says, here's how many gas points you earned and here's how much, um, here's how much, uh, you know, you saved when you were by using your, your shopper's card. Yeah. What if on your receipt it could say, here's how many pounds of food waste you prevented. Neat. By choosing upcycled ingredients or by choosing upcycled products. That's exactly what we're able to do, which is totally unique in um, for a certification to be able to offer consumers and to be able to offer um, the food system. And we also know that this is just really important to, to consumers. You know, most consumer, we did a study and found that um, most consumers want to see a, a upcycled certification on pack. That's just something that they want. Um, we re we tested, or one of our members, Matson, tested the logo, um, the new certification logo, and they found that most consumers had increased intent to buy. For, for a product that had the logo versus the same product without the logo. That's, so that's fascinating, yeah. So fi yeah, more than more than 50% of consumers had an increased intent to buy, which the really impressive thing is that ranked better than some of the other food certifications already out on the market. So yeah. this is this is a brand new certification 
and it's already ranking better with consumers relative to other certifications that have been on the market for years and been heavily invested in. And I would imagine that has uh, a lot to do with the fact that there's something tangible about it, that, you know, by this product has this, you know, recycled, upcycled ingredient within it. I should be very clear, make sure I say upcycled ingredient. I'm going to get it right. And (laughs) it makes me think, too, with, you know, home food waste is so top of mind for consumers these days. And that guilt, they, you know, we do a lot of consumer interviews uh, with consumers here at the Hartman Group. and get to talk to folks. And there is a lot of guilt associated with Mm -hmm. the amount of food that they waste and they don't necessarily know what to do about it. Do you see maybe consumers making that greater connection uh, if they start to see more of these, the the seal and the um, certification on these brands that use the upcycled ingredients uh, certification and, and maybe more attention to combating food waste at home? That's my hope. You know, I think a consumer product industry can really have impact beyond the bounds of its own sphere. Take, for example, you know, electric cars or plant-based meat is another good example. These are things that have existed for a really long time, but it wasn't until Tesla came along, consumer product, or it wasn't until Beyond Burgers came along, popular consumer product, that people really, like those movements exploded and they completely, they just started accelerating so fast and have grown and become very successful because someone's ability to leverage their impact with the products they buy kind of changes their mindset and encourages them to think about what are the other ways that I could be having this impact in my own life. So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm flexing my ability to prevent food waste when I'm in the grocery store, maybe I also ought to be thinking about ways that I can prevent food waste in my own home, in my own kitchen as well. And that's where I think we're really going to see the power of the upcycled movement um, accelerate as well in terms of the overall impact that we can have on the climate. Because, by the way, according to Project Drawdown, preventing food waste is the number one most effective solution to global warming. And so it's giving, it's about empowering people to be a part of that solution every time they go into the grocery store and when they're at home. That's really important. Now, I think you're referring to the Paul Hawken project that uh, the project drawdown. Um, could Could you describe that a little bit for our listeners? Absolutely. So yes, Paul Hawken wrote a book called Project Drawdown. It's now an organization that focuses on, you know, researching and measuring and ranking the potential impact of various climate solutions. So it's everything from offshore wind turbines to educating women and girls, which is a top climate change fighting solution, to solar power, to composting, to electric cars. And they rank about, they, there are like dozens of PhDs who came together to, to do this research and they, they quantify the impact between now and 2050, and they see how many gigatons of CO2 emissions does this solution have the ability to prevent, to draw down out of the atmosphere. And out of all of those 100 solutions, the top solution, so the solution that is able to prevent the most greenhouse gas emissions more than anything else, was preventing food waste. And it's something like 87 gigatons 
so 87 trillion tons, I think, of CO2 emissions is what we can prevent by by reducing food waste. So it's a huge, it's not, I mean, it's really not just about, oh, there's, there's, you know, food insecure people and it's not fair that food goes to waste while other people are hungry. It's not about, you know, there's this guilt that I'm wasting food. It really is about climate change yeah. for me anyway. And if we want to combat climate change, we have to reduce food waste in a big way in the near term. The UN's sustainable development goal for food waste is to have food waste by 2030. So we have a ton of work to do. And if we're going to accomplish that, we need to come up with super scalable solutions. And what's the common denominator for every super scalable solution? It's there's a, that there's a financial incentive. Mm-hmm. And with upcycled food, there's a financial incentive. It's you take something that you are paying someone else to haul away for you um, and commercializing it, finding the value within it, and upcycling it into something the consumers are going to love. This is just so uh, interesting and fascinating on so many levels, this uh, notion of having the 40% of food waste by 2030, which is not that far away, right? And so I think we mentioned this before too, is that you know if consumers don't have to necessarily change their habits too much, we're, it's almost like sort of getting them into the kiddie pool by providing them with really exciting and interesting products that, you know, for lack of a better term, they're they're badge worthy in many ways. They're not products that are, um, you know, less desirable. They're literally really cool, interesting, uh, novel ingredients, global ingredients, uh, looking, u- utilizing technology. So there's so many fascinating aspects to this conversation. So hopefully it's going to parlay into uh, the consumer home. And, you know, one perhaps one silver lining of the pandemic is that consumers being home uh, might have, you know, just kind of exposed a little bit more about the amount of food being wasted because we're not, you know, going here and there all the time quite as much. So hopefully we're going to have a little bit more appreciation for that um, in as we kind of open things up a little bit more. Um, and, you know, just one one question as we start to round out our conversation here, are, are there any... Uh, upcycled ingredients. Now, you've mentioned the fascinating story about the um, the coffee from Otomo and the uh, Neptune jerky fish and the uh, the avocado seed brew. Are there any other, and, and of course, the uh, cascara from the coffee, are there any other ingredients that uh, might be of interest to our listeners that you can think of from some of your clients? There's too many to list. I mean... <laughs> For, think about it, really. For every manufacturing operation out there, there is something, some ingredient that could be upcycled, right? And we have 170 plus members now. We're growing really fast, and we're learning all the time about the creativity and seeing things that we just never expected. Um, but of course, the people out there, you know, one of our members. Um, is this company Waju, and it's this guy who used to work for Pepsi and um, other big beverage companies, and so he was aware of the way that beverages were being manufactured. And what he bottles is the water that's left over from juice concentrate making. So you take fruit juice and you concentrate it, and then you can the concentrate over here, but then there's all this water left over. And so it's like... 
who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah. I, you know, it's amazing. And out of those 170 members, and I encourage people to check out our website, and all of our members are listed on the front page there. And just look at their, just find a name that speaks to you and click on their site and guarantee they have something interesting that it, maybe it's something that you've never thought of um, as being a waste stream. Like you said, it's not just, you know, a, a lot of our members do use the the ugly fruit, you know, sure. the fruit yeah. vegetables that otherwise, yeah. you know, they're, they would go to waste because they're, too, you know, they're too ugly or they have an extra limb or they're misshapen or whatever. A lot of our members are doing that. But a lot are using things that you would never even think of as as food waste, as something that would go to waste. And so I just encourage people to to think with some creativity about what are all of the things that that I can utilize to make money and make an impact. And it's fascinating too because there's also you know other types of nutrition nutrition and bioavailability that's available in a lot of these ingredients when we think of like nose to tail with an animal or you just using the whole you know cauliflower the leaves and and so forth or radishes with the greens you know just becoming more creative like that that's obviously just a home kitchen trick but I love this idea of really starting to expand our thinking when it comes to uh, upcycled ingredients and to remind us what your um what your website, your contact, how folks can find you is. Yeah, well, and I just want to just echo what you just said. It's a home kitchen tip, and that's exactly what we're in, our message to the food industry is. Our our home kitchens are already pretty thrifty, right? Yeah. Hopefully, a ton of food isn't going to waste, and we're you know we're using our leftover vegetables to make stock, and we're making bone broth, and we're heating up our leftovers and we're mixing all of our, you know, veggies that are going old in our fridge into a soup or, you know, our home kitchens are already pretty thrifty. What the upcycled industry is, is a group of businesses that's decided, hey, we want our food business to be just as thrifty as the home kitchen. And so that's kind of the message that we're promoting is be, you know, don't let your food business, your food operation, be less thrifty than the home kitchen. Be like the, you know, everyone's grandmother who is just great at using every last thing, you know, put that essence into your food business. And if you want to learn more about Upcycled Food Association, our website is upcycledfood.org. And we also have a a presence on LinkedIn and Instagram um, and we encourage you to follow us on all those platforms. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we are very grateful for the time that you've taken to meet with us today to chat, Turner. And uh, we look forward to the days uh, ahead, uh, less dominated by COVID. And we are really excited to learn more about how the upcycled food and beverage segment is progressing and what the UFA is looking to do next, because it sounds like it is just moving at the speed of light and it's very fascinating. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we look forward to it. And many thanks to you and your team for bringing us on today. Absolutely. Thanks everyone for listening and uh, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time on The Insatiable Appetite.